Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. I am Ryan Salisbury, and today I have a guest who is one of my favorite podcasters. It's, uh, oh shit, I didn't ask if you wanted to be introduced as Trevor or T. <laughs> it's fine, it works, either, it works either way, but yeah, uh, Trevor Beaulieu, people call me T for short, uh, host of the podcast Champagne Sharks, and I am not convinced that you are the only one. I'm convinced there has to be more anime uh, leftist uh podcast i'm sure they're probably I, I actually <laughs> i realized insane. the other day that trash future is about political economy and anime but i justify it as they don't do anime episodes so i'm still the only one that does both <laughs> wait, wait wait trash trash future is about um anime too because the episodes i listen to tended to be about tech but i haven't listened in a while so i don't know if they've made like a kind of genre shift where they bring in anime now before it used to be about they like, just make a lot of anime jokes you know oh oh oh, oh wait there, there's there's another one but i think they don't go heavy in the leftism there's uh there's balling out super uh-huh but yep. that but that one that one is by leftist but i don't think they actually talk any left theory they actually just talk straight anime so as far as i think actually actively referencing uh both uh you might uh still be the only one yeah, so if anyone else starts doing it, I'm going to have to go defend my turf so I can keep the the tagline. <laughs> uh, 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 the, the Struggle Session do anime at all? I mean, they cover everything. They've done a couple anime episodes. But not as a dedicated uh, thing. Right. Yeah, I, like, like I used to watch I used to watch a lot of anime, um, but I don't really anymore. So now when I try to watch it, it's kind of jarring to me because like anime is very decade it's very different now huh yeah but i mean it changes it changes every decade like like 90s anime has a very specific look that 80s yeah. anime kind of doesn't have like there's, there's a continuity to it there's a flow like like it's not like just totally overhauls you can see the evolution but i feel like um have you seen any 70s every- anime it looks it looks like way closer to american cartoons Oh my god, 60s and 70s anime is like my favorite anime because oh, yeah? <laughs> something with the crudeness of it, I really, I really <laughs> like. Um, like, like, I, but I know what you mean. Like, like the, there's more, there's more of a way that it used to be able to be imported a lot into America. They used to import a lot of 70s and and 60s anime into America. I think precisely because it wasn't really as jarring as. Uh-huh. As now, like, like American anime has moved in one direction, and um, Japanese anime is so hyper stylized. I think it really jumps out to look at um, if you try to import anime now. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, like it looks a lot like, like Speed Racer could, could easily be a Hanna Barbera mm-hmm. cartoon. Yeah. Or have you ever seen um, Galaxy Express nine ninety nine? Yeah, Galaxy Express nine nine nine. Um, Gotcha Man, which was uh-huh. reported as as Battle of the Planets in the seventies, and yeah, I mean, there's Macross. Um, I think that's 70s. yeah. Uh, Macross is early is early eighties, but okay. I mean, I think I think Macross is a good indicator of when uh, anime started looking more like how we think of it today. Because I remember when when I saw uh, Robotech, I was able to tell like, okay, there's something different. There's something a little yeah. bit different about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the noses and the eyes and the very small mouth. Like, like it was, it was starting. I think at that at that point. Yeah. To get really, really refined. Uh. Oh. Also. Um. This is a good. 
I forgot the best seventies example of all, uh, Golion, which which became Voltron here. Like, oh, okay. That 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 was huge, and we just thought it was yeah. like um, um, an American cartoon. It, it it didn't look that much different than Thundercats, you know. Didn't they make it a, a new American version of it recently? Like of, Voltron um, Go or something like that. <laughs> they made one. They made one for um. They made a couple of American versions. Uh, most of them kind of sucked. Like Voltron like Legendary American. Defender. That's what it what it's called. That's the newest one. That one's on yeah. Netflix, and and that one has Tumblr art, which I can't I can't stand. Uh, Tumblr art is like, to me, it looks kind of like anime at first, and at first it's almost gonna scratch the anime itch. But there's something just off about it, and uh-huh. the more you watch it, it kind of grates. And I, and I, I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever been on Tumblr and seen Tumblr art, but you know you, you know that the look that Tumblr art has, where it's kind of anime inspired, but it's just way too precious. It's way right. too um, kind of like Steven Universe. Yeah, Steven Universe. But then like, there's like, which I like. Kind of I really like that show, but I it's not my favorite animation style. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. I've never seen I've never seen the show, but they also have the other type of anime, I mean, that other type of Tumblr style that tries to look a little bit more like um, like, like Steven Uni- Universe is kind of like you know shrunken down and stuff and it doesn't look that anime but there's a type of tumblr style that tries to look uh way more anime as far as like the body like uh, that shira show is that yeah, kind of what you're Shira. About? okay yeah, yeah 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 stuff like that i um i just can't take i just can't take that tumblr style it's, it's yeah really, it's really bad they made it looks a really flat too i'm looking at pictures of it they, they do they yeah. don't do any shading it looks weird yeah yeah the um the the Voltron one is slightly better than that. It, it, it's it's it looks it's I think DreamWorks um is behind oh, this, weird. so it's got a good budget and <laughs> and it looks it looks better, but it's still um it's still I don't really like that, that Tumblr style, but it does look better than the Shira thing. But there was a either nineties or two thousands Voltron that they tried done with like the CGI style at the time, which was really bad. Do, do you remember uh, things like? I don't know if you ever saw uh, Beast Wars or yes. anything like that. Yeah, Beast Wars is cool, but the animation style does not age well at all. That that it's when CGI was very new and they're they doing reboots to try it at the time. Yeah, reboot was another one. Yeah, so it's like that reboot Beast Wars type of style, that type of Ultron. But they tried to make it like way too Americanized in that like the second in command, who I think was called Lance in the um, American version of, of Ultron. He's like um, kind of like the bad boy who doesn't listen to orders. Uh, he he he's like the rake. He's like a Han Solo. He's always like cracking jokes and uh. and and I mean like he's a very tropey. Like, like everyone is really really tropey and they're wisecracking and it just feels way too American. Like um, it doesn't feel like the usual five man um, Japanese show. Like everyone everyone just feels like uh, it's like a Joss Whedon anime. It, yeah yeah exactly it, it, yeah it's like very american tropey joss whedon and you know um um people were smirking at the camera it, it doesn't it doesn't feel right i didn't like it um so we are here today for the miniseries that i've been doing isekai july we just did the third one i recorded it yesterday so it should be out hopefully in the next day or two um 
which won't make sense when this comes out and it'll be <laughs> out a week before. But uh, yeah, so we just did Dr. Stone. Um, I actually mentioned your podcast on that yesterday because we brought up Killmonger. And uh, I, was, I was telling them I had a, one of the Team Killmonger shirts, uh, which I love. Oh, cool! Uh, thank, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, I remember when you when you bought it. You sent a picture. That was that was awesome. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. The um, the Doctor Stone thing. A lot of people have been talking to me about that. Is that is that Isekai or what? I was thinking of watching it because I saw it on, on sort of. App. It's sort of Isekai. Like, uh, so everyone gets petrified and they wake up thirty seven hundred years in the future. Um, so it's oh. Isekai in the sense that it's like another world. But it's not like they went through a portal or got reincarnated like most isekai. Got, got it. Got it. Yeah. So 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 it's kind of like they it's kind of like isekai in the way that uh, Futurama is isekai, yeah. where the guy wakes mm-hmm. up and yeah, got it. Um. So today we're doing a show that is not not nearly as good as that one. Um. But it's interesting to talk about. I think. And I, I promise, T, if you come on again, I'll pick an anime that I think you'll actually enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's crazy. I did kind of enjoy this one almost against um, my, my will. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I w- that's how I feel I about it too. <laughs> it, yeah, when I first like on paper, I remember when I first started watching it. I was like, uh, also, I don't know if I'm imagining this, but I, or if I just got used to it. But I feel like the animation started getting better. Like, it felt like one of those cheaper, so. rush, rush animes when it started. When the first episode started, I was like. Oh, this is one of those animes, right? Where they just kind of uh, put like no effort in it and stuff. Maybe they save the then, until the end. Yeah, yeah. Because by the end, it was like, looking pretty good, and I'm like, did I just get used to how bad it was, or did it actually? Because I know different. I know, like for example, with Naruto, different studios do different episodes, so it'll actually be jarringly different from episode mm-hmm. um, to episode. The animation quality, where some I of them actually look- didn't know that. Damn. Yeah, if you start looking for it, you'll start um, noticing it. Uh, okay. They have whole YouTube videos where people, like, you know, like, you know, like with everything, people can be really anal online. Yeah. They have videos where people know the name of every single studio and know which episodes are done by which. And <laughs> once you start knowing what to look for, you start seeing the differences. So, and they use clips. And you'll see, like, some clips, like, people are, like, their faces are barely animated. Like, I- I'll give you an example. Um... What's the best fight that you can remember in in Naruto? If if you watched uh, uh, Rockley versus Gara, the first one, <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Everyone says the same one. Yep, that's the best studio. That's the best studio. Now, if you watch that Rockley versus Gara fight, there's all these kind of weird foreshortening and weird distortions that they do during the fight, where like uh, the face gets extra big and and the uh, like the part that's closest to the camera gets extra big uh-huh. and the part farthest away gets extra small. But then as they bring the fist forward, suddenly like the fist gets re like there's like this weird kind of looseness to the proportion and foreshortening that makes it look really cool. Uh-huh. That studio always does that. So whenever you see a fight or something where they move in that kind of uh, weird way, like that's that studio. And I forgot what the worst one is, but there's one studio that's like really bad. It's known to be like just a cheap hack studio out of uh korea that just kind of churned <laughs> churns it churns it out um but 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 yeah so i thought maybe that's, that's what was going on with this one because i thought by the end uh the animation was getting much much better the, the glass fight i thought was pretty cool yes 
Yeah, so yeah. We, we didn't actually say the title. So we're watching, we're talking about Tate no Yusha, uh, Rising of the Shield Hero, which is a show that was pretty controversial, to say the least, when it was uh, released. I think it was like three years ago. So we've done mostly anime that that I just like for Isekai July, but uh, that ran out pretty quickly. I don't like most Isekai. <laughs> so uh, I thought we should do an episode on this because, for one, I wanted to see what the controversy was and if it was as bad as people were saying um and two once i actually started watching it i thought it was better done and like not actually much more problematic than most of the other isekai that i watched <laughs> um so yeah what what were you gonna say um i was gonna i was gonna ask you i was going to ask you uh if you heard about the controversy before you started watching yes i did yeah I think I think my friend Una told me about it, and they like they suggested I do an isekai miniseries specifically to talk about um, like moral relativism and and slavery and stuff like that in isekai because it's like a super common thing. Um, like, there's another show called Overlord, uh, where it's another guy gets stuck in a video game show, and the first thing he does is like tries to like start a, a harem of the um like the npcs and basically like become an overlord of everyone it's like he's like supposed to be the villain so i think it's more conscious of the protagonist being a villain than the show is um wait wait so what's the last part you said about the um um protagonist being being a villain you're saying that you feel the protagonist was a villain in this one I'm, i I, missed. I i thought in overlord they were more conscious of the protagonist being like villainous than oh, than in oh this one. i see i see yeah yeah this one was this one was weird in that it it kind of seemed to um do a hard shift several times as far as the protagonist because first off he becomes a jerk really fast yeah like <laughs> it's 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 really really fast like all at once and he's not only like a jerk but he like has a level up in, in badassery that is just not really well um supported to me like like it just happens like really fast like like not just his um that he gets kind of negative but that he just becomes like such such a badass and it's within the same episode but then he goes from badass jerk to nice really fast too like like he gets nice like like strangely quick so then by the end he's such a different guy from the first guy that it makes no sense to me there's a part in the final episode where he flashes back to his pre um isekai life because pre-transformation life and i actually forgot that he was like uh a neat otaku yeah before he, he got there like like i totally forgot that's who he was like because another thing when the show is that this is one of those isekai where they don't spend a lot of time dwelling on on the fish out of water thing so that's right. another thing that there were times there were times i forgot it was the isekai i just thought yes. he was a guy <laughs> from this world you know so it was doubly jarring first because it reminded me that it was the isekai because you know the um the glass fight they start talking about their home worlds and I was like oh yeah he's not from this world you know because she's <laughs> like oh 
like you, I'm not from this world either. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's not from this world. And then he flashes back to his home life. And I'm like, like this really doesn't need to be an isekai, you know, because the fish out of water stuff is so underplayed. They could have just had this been like he was from this world and you would have had to change very little. The thing is, though, that's like one of the most common tropes in isekai, because I think that the majority of isekai that people write especially like that are based on light novels is the author is just creating like a self-insert character to carry out like to play out their like power fantasy so they are the neat otaku um that they are before they go to the other world and then the character that's in the other world is like the person that they want to be or that they imagine themselves as and they're just like oh if i were just in a world you know, with feudalism then and magic, then I would be a cool badass, uh, you know, with a lolly harem and stuff. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense because, um, yeah, in general, reactionary guys like incels and MGTOWs and, and those red pillars and pickup artist kind of guys, they always like to imagine, which is actually the, uh, the opposite of the truth. Like, yeah, <laughs> they like to think, they like to think if they were in, um, some old dog eat dog world where feminism didn't ruin everything and liberalism and progressivism and leftism didn't ruin everything you know they would be in the top of the food chain where it's like um no not at all that wouldn't be you know in in, in the world of polygamy you just wouldn't have sex you yeah. know you know some some rich guy would have would have uh hogged up all the women or some invading viking tribes like you know would have came and um you know wiped you out and, t- and took in, took in uh, all the women back with them or something like yeah you they know, think it, of it backwards it's, not- it's like the, their idea is that like because of the sexual revolution that's how things are now and before everyone it was like one to one you know everyone was doing monogamy and everyone like every guy got a wife and shit like that that's like the mythos that they believe in or yeah or that or they think it wasn't like that but Thanks to a lack of political correctness, uh, I would have been the one of the ones with the harem. Yeah. But today, <laughs> s- somehow, today because um, things like high IQ, which, which is stupid because because I think high IQ is probably valued even less <laughs> back then. Yeah. <laughs> back then, you know, it was who could swing a club, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, for some reason, they think uh, that they would have been like the alpha with the uh, um, harem, harem or whatever. But it's, it's, just, it's just funny because it's like... If you think right now, if you're the kind of person where if someone told you you have to go to jail um, tomorrow and the first thing you think is, oh, my God, I would die, then you probably wouldn't do well back then either. I feel, I feel like <laughs> whatever comfort level you have with uh, being told you're going to jail tomorrow is a good determinant of how you would have uh, fared, you know, back back then, you know, because it's, it's, it's like it's like these white supremacist type of... Uh, dark uh intellectual what's dark it called what's the idw set yeah dark, dark oh. enlightenment or or or, or the new, oh intellectual dark web yeah 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 i mean they're all the same thing it's just constant right. rebranding it was neo reactionary uh-huh. uh, intellectual dark web um dark enlightenment whatever but those guys like to think of this world where you know white nationalism and get rid of feminism and you know we're like vikings and it's like if you went to jail and uh were around real um 
hardcore white white supremacists, you'd probably be like just washing their their laundry for them, you know, and <laughs> and, and very low in the totem pole. Yeah. Like 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 they don't want John Derbyshire there, or, you know, with his spectacles and or or Richard Spencer. Like I don't think it's really like uh, the kind of guy is gonna rise to the cream of the top and. In that in that food chain with, with the white supremacist bikers and stuff like that, but yeah, I think a lot of those guys are like are like programmers or IT guys or like some other job that wouldn't have existed, you know, fifty years ago. That like they have a much higher social status than than they would, you know, a hundred two hundred years ago because of this like super technical specific job that exists now. Oh yeah, yeah, Ex- exactly. But there's also there's also a lot of them who are kind of like the protagonists in this where they don't really have those type of uh skills i think True. that's kind of the worst kind of guy that gets stuck in this where they don't have one of those um technical whatever skills but they're also not like some kind of tough guy so they just kind of feel like hey i um i'm doubly screwed i think that's the kind of that really gets sucked into this idea that um if you took me back to a place where being white was a much more valuable currency, you know, then yeah. that whiteness alone would carry me. But you'd be in a world where basically everybody around you was white. It, it, would, not, it would negate, in, in a way, it would kind of be harder because um, there really was no real white privilege Value for you it, working yeah. in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they don't really like, think about in feudalism, there's serfs and like, like for example, those racist guys always like to make fun of um, um, woke black people and conscious black people by saying stuff like, "Oh, we was kings and stuff like that." Uh-huh. But they kind of have their they they have their own thing going on where yes. you know it, it it doesn't occur to them like there were people cleaning toilets um, who like you know the lord of the manor or the king was having the way with their with their wives or daughters and they couldn't do anything about it uh-huh. you know. It was like like they were like the low man, the totem pole, you know, like like you watch Game of Thrones and you know, I know Game of Thrones isn't biographical or real, but you know, it it exposes modern audiences to a lot of like the old power dynamics. You know, people would kill like poor people at will, <laughs> nothing happened. Right. Like uh you know, uh you had no recourse if um somebody of higher status like offended you but that was most people like like you were not going to be um the noble you were not going to be um the top guy you know um so let's get into uh let's start with a little bit of the controversy stuff um so the main thing that people latched onto about the show uh was that like a big plot point was that the main character now fumi uh, gets falsely accused of rape by Mina, the the main antagonist, and she is also like the like the manosphere trope of uh of an evil like conniving woman. Um, so that's what most people were upset about. Um, it's like th- this anime is basically like an in cell fantasy. So I wanted to explain just like a little bit about the in cell subculture because. Not, I think not everyone is as interested in weird, awful internet subcultures as me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And and the one thing I will say is, is this quite incel? Because I feel like everyone calls everything incel now, whereas there's really like 
four or five things that kind of overlap uh, in a Venn diagram. Uh-huh. You know, like, like for example, um, there's like MGTOW versus Incel versus Red Pillars, but I mean they're probably it way more similar MGTOW, than they are different. But I do, I yeah, I think I think it's pretty heavily Incel, and um, so basically Incels are involuntarily celibate men. They think that um, they can't uh, they can't find anyone to have sex with because of like insane reasons, usually because of their like bone structure. So there's like a lot of race science mixed into it because they think it's like their skull is shaped wrong and that's why women won't want to fuck them. And so the reason I think that uh, this is a pretty incel fantasy is because now Fumi is the shield hero and that's the reason why... Uh, Mina and everyone else hates him is because he was cursed with the inferior class of the shield hero and that's what all, where all his troubles begin but I do think you're right um, now that you mentioned it it could be like MGTOW because the way he deals with it is basically like well fuck you I'm gonna do my own thing then yeah exactly so it's like a, there's like a lot of overlap and yeah. And and there's boards where both of them appear in once. Like like there's some message boards that have both incels and and MGTOWs all mixed in. Like I've seen some manosphere sites where there's some manosphere sites where it'll be all pickup artists or all um, MGTOW or all incel, but they're all like places where they all kind of um, get together at once. So mm-hmm. there is overlap there. But yeah, uh, I didn't get the reference you made but now that you said it that's a great case for it being incel like, like the whole i'm cursed because of the shield thing that totally went over my head so now that you say that that's a good uh, example of it being being incel that's true like i'm genetically um inferior yeah because because of this they kind of give i think a very interesting um explanation for that later that i think in a way, it's kind of problematic in and of itself where they say, oh, actually, it's not really because of uh, the inferiority of the shield or anything. And if I get the plot wrong, let me know, because there's some things that I kind of got lost on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're kind of saying, oh, it was really because they had it out. They had it out for shield heroes because they were kind of jealous because something happened in the past with shield heroes. And that was really what it was. The king was mad at you because of um some past bitterness he had in the old shield hero and there's even a, a church where or a town where shield heroes are the most uh revered of all mm-hmm. so it's kind of like oh you thought you were inferior but actually you're actually one of the dopest uh classifications there is and there's places where you would be uh worshipped if you were there and it was really jealousy um it kind of seems like it's tied into I- the like the weird jim crow slavery thing they have going with the with the demi humans because i think the the previous shield hero was like a hero to the demi humans and the the birds the floleals so i wonder if that's if that has anything to do with it but then they like completely <laughs> get rid of any uh goodwill they would get from that by just completely going full ham rationalizing slavery in the in the actual series yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. But, you know, what I was thinking about with that whole redemption of past shield hero stuff was I thought maybe they were saying, hey, you know, um, 
because you know there's a lot of white victimization in the incel culture uh-huh. or, or male victimization and people kind of say oh it's um you thought you were inferior but in a past life or or if you were if you were in europe or if you were in asia in the, if you were in eastern europe or in asia i've seen this on the, on different like boards like that where they say oh if you go white men are demonized here because of liberalism but it uh-huh. comes from um bitter women um feminists comes from minorities social justice warriors but if you travel to russia or yugoslavia or you or you go to um what do you call it uh, asia they're like the white god factor will happen they're more traditional they're more submissive they appreciate um patriarchy uh white yeah. men are appreciated there we yeah so that's kind of what I kind of felt with the whole um actually all this talk about hating you because you're weak or whatever they really hated you because they were they were jealous or you used to be appreciated that kind of tied into that whole insult oh, yeah, thing to yeah. me yeah. yeah 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 where it's like um they're all really just haters yeah that's what it really was okay. and they, and they gaslit they gaslit you into thinking that you were uh, inferior yeah that makes a lot of sense I also think um, I don't know if they have this in the MGTOW thing. I'm sure they do, but um, the thing that made me start thinking that it was an incel thing was like that uh, the spear hero is like a Chad, and now Fumi is uh, is like the virgin, and then Mina is a Stacy, and yeah. Raftalia is the Becky. So it's like the that whole thing of like the. They call it the decile scale. I re- I did a bunch of reading on the incel wiki, which is like really fucked up, <laughs> dark stuff. But uh, yes, so Stacy is like a nine or ten on the decile scale, uh, which is like you know rating someone's looks from one to ten. And uh, they they basically think that they don't need any like intelligence or talent or personality to um, to like have a good life because they can coast through life on on their looks alone. And same with Chads. Yeah. And so, like, now Fumi has to work really hard. And um, there's a bunch of times in the show where uh, he's supposed to be a lower level than the other heroes. And they're like, oh, wow, you are you can keep up with this. That's crazy. Like, how did you do that? And he's like, mm. oh, I actually worked at it. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, and you, you kept saying, uh, you guys kind of had everything handed to you. But I had to actually do the work. You're right. Yeah. Great, great connection. Something else that I think a lot of people need to understand, by a lot of people, I mean mainly me, because I only I only just learned this. But something I only just learned, I've bought into these stereotypes of um, Japan and Asia that I didn't really realize that I bought into. Mm-hmm. And what what I mean by that is, I had this guest called Dale Barron, and he had this book called uh, "It Came from Something Awful," where he was talking about American. Chan Chan culture and something awful and 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 Tumblr and you know yeah it's really good. Um, there's this book that on the left a lot of people were um, promoting called um, what was the Angela Nagel Nagel book Kill All Normies? Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. everybody was talking about that, but I think she was kind of down with the right people and everything. But um, this book I thought was actually much much better because it felt like a, a lot more um neutral whereas angela nagel seemed to have kind of a 
uh, a beef or uh, some kind of score settled with the kind of Tumblr t- type of crowd. Oh, okay. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. This this book is way more uh, thorough and, and neutral in my take. But one of the things I learned from the book was I didn't realize how a lot of this stuff that we talk about now with uh, MGTOWs and incels and all this stuff was happening in Japan like a long time ago. Oh, that, really? Uh, they oh. basically started. They basically started Chan culture. Like I kind of had this idea of this kind of um, Confucianist type of thing where um, there wasn't all this reactionary stuff. But then I started learning that there's a lot of reactionary stuff in Japan. I mean, even among other Asian countries, Japan is kind of treated as own type of um, reactionary anomaly. Like a lot of people kind of view them as oppressors. Uh, to the rest of uh, Asia, mm. you know, with their own history. Right. And they have their own kind of uh, analogs to reactionary and... That makes uh, sense because... Of, oh, yeah. I started... Um, I was looking into, like, the like the sexual violence politics in Japan uh, because I was interested to see if, like, false rape accusations were... If it was, you know, kind of the same context as it would be here... Where, you know, it, it it's it happens like once in a while, and but if if you're like if you're like a white person and you say you've been falsely accused of rape, it's like super unlikely that that's the case because uh, they basically like don't prosecute rapists hardly at all here. Um, so I was looking to see if it was similar over there, and apparently, um, like one of the articles I found was about. Uh, groping on trains because you know they have really oh yeah crowded commuter trains and it, it's extremely common over there for men to say they've been falsely accused and the news will actually report they'll be more likely to report a false accusation than an actual groping um they have they have yeah. youtube supercuts uh, they have youtube supercuts of uh train gropings where i guess some people were trying to raise awareness about it so they kind of just left the camera on and then fuzzed out the faces i guess of like the women's stuff to like not add to the humiliation uh-huh. and i was like even if this is like highly edited like like say like the best case scenario someone said hey um they just they left tons and tons of footage on the floor and they were like recording forever it's still like disturbing i think i can yeah. record <laughs> on the new york train every day for like years and not uh see that type of groping like like i'm like even the best explanation you can have for this uh as far as it being uh unfairly doctored is still a disturbing amount of groping for this person to put together the supercut to come across this much uh clear groping especially like right. one of the favorite ones seem to be like guys pretending to fall asleep <laughs> and laying their hands fall on like uh body parts oh, like wow like really like juvenile <laughs> juvenile stuff or yeah, they have uh, they have women only trains over there, um, like women only cars on the train. Um, it's not like a legal uh, thing though, so it's it's just like relying on men to choose not to enter, which most of them oh, interesting. don't. Uh, but there are, there are some times where guys will be like, "Oh, this is discrimination. Discrimination is bad no matter what. So <laughs> we should be allowed to ride these trains." Yeah, it's it's very surprising to me not only how much like how similar a lot of the 
um, reactionary sexual grievance stuff is there. But in some cases, they were like ahead of the curve. Like a, a lot of like the whole um, MGTOW stuff and the whole um, angry conservative reactionaries on chance, like that all came from um, Japan. Like like the chant, like they had two chan for us, and that came out of Japan. And then uh, they made 4chan in America, so I didn't I didn't realize that that um, and even when I heard that they had Chan in Japan first, I assumed that it must have been of a markedly different quality. But then I found out that there was a lot of reactionary, crazy stuff happening in the Japanese version uh, first. And I think one thing that happens with America or, or the West in general is that, um, especially like like the White West, is that people kind of think anything weird that happens abroad. It's a sign of how weird non-whites are, or how or how weird yeah. um, uh, foreigners are. So people treat it like a joke in America. Like there was these study, there were these stories in the two thousands of these Japanese men who were just staying home all day and kind of gave up on marriage and traditional stuff, and they were calling them uh, the herbivore generation. Like yeah, for, I have like, a section like on that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big story, and uh, a lot of white guys and Westerners were like making fun of that, uh, including like in the Red Pill um, forum forums and stuff. Because at the time, that whole Red Pill stuff, the main focus of it was uh, the kind of Rouge stuff, where it was like pick up artistry and game, and you can just hack everything. You can just hack, and you have to self improve and go to the gym, and maybe you used to be. a, a so-called beta male or whatever like before it was virgins and chads it was betas and alphas right. but the idea was this kind of idea of omnipotence like i can learn from the alphas or, or the naturals and i could become the next best thing i cannot teach myself or through sheer force of will which i think the isekai stuff still kind of taps into like you know mm-hmm. like and that's what i mean by this thing kind of has a little bit of everything, I think. It has a MGTOW element, as has an incel element, but it also has kind of like the pickup artist element of, you know, hey, maybe I didn't, maybe I wasn't born with the gifts. Maybe I, um, you know, was like a nerd or whatever, but I can uh, learn the system and, and learn and do the hard work and, you know, read, read the books, do the practice do whatever and i can be as good or better than the than the natural or the alpha that's true yeah or or the or the chad so um at the time i remember uh when when the herbivore stories came out they were like oh man those guys just need to learn game or or look at those beta asians and like (laughs) low testosterone and all this terrible stuff but then all those spaces I guess after a while of hitting walls or whatever, I think a lot of people kind of realize it's not really that easy. You can't just learn a bunch of negging and then become yeah. the head of society. Um, yeah, because that was really, really big in the 2000s and then kind of fell off, huh? Yeah, that was really big. And, and some of the same people, too. Some of the same people, like, changed. Like, once they realized it didn't work, rather than blame themselves, they started saying, well, you know what? This would work in an ideal world where men were still men and women were still women. <laughs> right. But it's liberalism liberalism has changed the incentives and feminism has changed the incentives and the realities and everything so that real men can't be um real men or whatever and the unproductive like chads you know the ones who, who 
um, like before, you had to be a provider and, uh, you know, alpha. But now the world doesn't um, support providers because of uh, all this feminism and all this um, um, liberalism so that women can rely on the state, you know, and, and okay. all this stuff. Uh-huh. So, so they move, they move to that. It's, they start saying stuff like, "Oh, you have to go abroad to like uh, Russia or Yugoslavia or Asia, where they still appreciate you know, where men are men." So a lot of them moved over there, and then, or did things like that. And I think they hit those walls, and then they just became. I think that's when the insult thing started happening. People just kind of gave up on this idea that they could change anything, and then they became about, um. The whole world, uh, liberalism is the world's biggest, is America's biggest export, and now Russia and China and these places are getting ruined by Western values. So now our only option is just to go, either go MGTOW or just accept that uh, we can't get laid. And it's funny because that whole space ended up becoming exactly the herbivores that they were oh, talking yeah. about uh-huh. uh, <laughs> in the past. And, and that's why I find, find kind of funny. There's this arrogance of dismissal that I think people have where they can't learn from coming crises or they can't um, get ahead of things or see things coming because they think they're so above the people it's happening to, you know? Um, so, like, like someone made a good example with the guy uh, in Philippines and these other places where there was a rise in populist reactionaryism and people on, on the, you know, uh, and entertainers and uh, becoming politicians and stuff like that, but people were making fun of places like Haiti and uh, e- electing a entertainer to be um, president, or in the Philippines, like some reactionary fascist uh, taking control, and then and then Brexit. You know, it's like okay, those are white people, but those Europeans are still like you know they must be on some shit. They must be crazy. But that became a little more troubling because at least it was getting whiter, the problem. Right. And then we got Donald Trump. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and now suddenly it's real because... But if you were looking around the world, th- this is what this person was saying. Uh, it, was, it was a political speech I was, I was watching. And the person was saying is that what's happening in America, it was brewing in all these third world, uh, so-called third world countries and in some of these Asian countries and... And some of these black countries, but no one took it seriously because, oh, look at those crazy kooky foreigners. That that was the the takeaway. And then now that's happened to them. And so I feel like the herbivore and the Japanese stuff, uh, the same thing has happened. Like there was all this stuff happening with men over there and people were just kind of laughing about it and just using it as proof of uh, Asian inferiority. And then lo and behold, um, it's, it's not only is it happening here, but it's become so normalized here that now we have probably, I'm guessing based on what I've seen online from the American discourse about this show, there's a lot of American uh, fans who are totally on board with the um, horrible views of the show. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, one thing I found that was I thought was pretty interesting was... Um, because I was reading about the herbivore men thing and I was I was wondering if that was just if that was actually a thing that was unique to Japan or if it was just something they came up with a name for and then people's like racist attitudes just decided that it was a unique thing to Japan um so I found the fertility rate between the US and Japan and 
Japan is like uh, currently around like 1.5. The U.S. is only around 1.9. So it, we're like pretty close to them. The pattern looks pretty similar. Um, the U.S. fertility rate peaks in like the the late 50s, so like the baby boom, basically. And then it just drops off like really quick. Like so around the 80s and 90s where that term started appearing, it was around the same between the two countries. And uh, the main reason for that is just because like people don't have money to take care of kids. That's that's the overwhelming reason. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because a lot of that middle class that was created by during the baby boom time, the post-war boom was kind of artificially inflated both by the decline of every other country as a superpower mm-hmm. and and also like um the government uh having all these initiatives to, and, and and also because of racism because uh they didn't really they care about the resources for themselves so there right. were all these gi benefits that um black people couldn't get even though they served a lot of these uh, FHA um, reforms and loans that basically created the suburbs and created um, middle-class property ownership that black people couldn't get or were redlined out of. Because there's, there's a degree to which um, a lot of white reactionaries treat wealth like a zero-sum game or like success like a zero-sum game where if... if um, the poors and the minorities start getting more stuff. It takes uh, food and money out of their mouths. Right. And to a degree, even though they exaggerate it, I think if we're being honest, to a degree, it is a little true. Like um, It's true in the sense that there's scarce resources, but they also think that money is like represents like a claim on resources. And so yeah. every dollar must represent like a real thing. And so if you if you give more money to poor people, that means you're taking away access to real things from the, you know, rich and middle class. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing I think they kind of um, miss out on is that whatever amount of resources they're losing um, to the lower classes or the other races pales in comparison to what everyone combined is losing to the one percent like like uh they're the one percent is taking away so much more of everyone else's resources on mass than um whatever the rise of yeah 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 then whatever uh people are losing Mm -hmm. to um minorities and women and 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 whatever in the work in the workforce or in in tax money like it's it's like like there's a smarter pool for everyone else and these people are obsessed with fighting over the ratios within that small pool you you know everyone's fighting for the size of the pie you know but not realizing that the pie itself is like a quarter of the size yeah that it that it once it's like that it once was 10 percent because i know i remember a statistic from like this is probably from 2010 so it might be even worse now but um the top 1% took 90% of new income. So the rest of us are getting 10% of all new income that's being generated. <laughs> that's that's a very disturbing uh, number. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and, I, and I believe it because 
it feels that way. Yes. It definitely, definitely uh, feels that way. Yeah, and yeah, that's what these people are doing. They're fighting over um, their share of that 10% instead of being mad at the fact that they've been reduced to fighting for 10%. Yes. You, know, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, this thing, I feel like there's a lot to learn from um, Japan and I think if people were kind of looking at the things coming out of Japan, well, first off, if Americans cared about what happened abroad in general, outside of what strokes our egos, uh, that would help, first of all. But, yeah, I feel like a lot of people um, in America just don't really care what happens abroad. Anyway, I mean, even their herbivore stories, I think people only consume them just for their own self-aggrandizement, you know, for, um, thank God that's not us. And that's all they got, they got out of it, you know? Yeah. So I found an article from Japan times and another one about the same thing, uh, from another Japanese source. But, uh, the person who coined the term, uh, Maki Fukasawa, who she's a columnist and sociologist, uh, was basically saying that she's like really pissed about how that term has been used in Western news sources because uh, she coined it to describe uh, males who have no interest in getting married or having a girlfriend, but do pursue sexual relationships. And uh, part of the problem is there's like a translation issue with the survey that they did to like find that uh, this thing existed. Um, So she said 30 years ago when the government survey was conducted for the first time, Men believe that all relationships with women were potentially sexual, and this is no longer the case. Um, and she said basically, like, she tried to correct all these news outlets that were quoting her and the survey, and they said, like, oh, we don't care because that's boring. Mm. And, and also, I th- I think not only is it boring, but it it ties into their preconceptions mm-hmm. of um, Asian male virility to begin with. So yeah, so um, they probably just ran with ran with that um, just because of their biases, you know. Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very interesting to see that whole red pill space move more toward that because because. In the way that the isekai thing, I think, actually moves a little further toward what the Western space used to be. In that, I feel like with the isekai thing, there's more of an idea, you can beat this. You don't have to just um, yeah. throw, in the, throw in the towel. You can... So, like, like he starts off in that space. Like, there was an incel and a MGTOW side to it, but that's always been in the uh, red pill space. But... Um, the red pill space did used to have more of a you can hack the system and 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 beat everybody that I think is not in the American space like it used to. In the American space, uh, when you look at the doomer me- the doomer memes and all this stuff, this is kind of fatalism, this kind of resignation where it's like, fuck, there's nothing we can do. This right. is this is it. Like like and it's to me it's way worse than how the whole. Um, herbivore thing was was even described like it means way more bleak way more pessimistic way more throwing throwing the towel yeah the herbivore um, men like as as it was described in western media at least like they had they still had interests they were they had like friends and interests they just weren't interested in like relationships and sex but yeah the doomers are just like 
they I don't know want to kill themselves but are too afraid to I guess yeah ba- yeah basically or you know like um have you seen like the the coomer the coomer memes I, I found the coomer memes I've and heard the coomer the term, me- but I haven't seen any of those oh the coomer memes are like these memes that they have where it's like um all the guys do is uh just stay home and beat off all day and and I watch. I was watching these Doomer videos. And you know, with YouTube, when you watch anything, it recommends like a million of that thing. Uh-huh. And then from the, from from the Doomer videos, I just got fascinated with watching the Doomer videos because they're really, really um, weird and depressing. And I thought they were like making fun of depressed people at first. I started realizing that they're kind of they're kind of like earnest and honest. And then. Those videos morphed into Coomer videos where, like, somebody, for example, I saw one where it was like, you know, this quarantine, right? And, um, it's, there's like, there's a quarantine, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the quarantine is going on, and this guy, and this Coomer is, is home. No, no, this is a Doomer. The Doomer gradually starts morphing into a Coomer, right? Um, and, and for people to know, a Coomer is like, uh, a combination of um like doomer and come so you know it's, it's basically a doomer who just uh is addicted to porn and beats off all day uh and it's called like a coomer and one side of his body is grotesquely over muscularized <laughs> because uh of his beating off all day so he has this like arnold schwarzenegger right arm and this uh and this atrophy left arm and 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 like his hairline is like receding and he has this patchy beard and he has the bags under his eyes from like being up all night and um and the, the memes are like kind of funny I, I can't lie they're kind of funny but the coomer from quarantine and being home all day morphs into a coomer and then when the quarantine lifts and then like uh no one has seen the guy come out and i guess like a neighbor or a mailman or like Someone called to the premises, knocks on the door because you know everyone. It's just like the sun come up, COVID's over. Everyone's like coming out of their apartments or houses and rubbing their eyes, and then no one's seen seen the the doomer. And they open his door, and this river of semen floods <laughs> out of the uh, of the house <laughs> and overtakes and overtakes the city. And it it's really like over the top like so, so like this it's like noah's flood like like, like he uh, he beat off that much and there's people in boats it's, it's kind of it's kind of gross but but funny but yeah i was like i like over the top stuff i was like, like that. yeah yeah but i was like well this is so much worse than anything you would have imagined in the in the in the herbivore news cycle like, yeah. like like what what these americans are producing with their uh with their bleakness is so over the top like like if they if during the herbivore uh, cycle, if this was being leaked out of Japan, if, if the Japanese are producing this type of Coomer stuff and and, and rivers have come overtaking uh, the city like Noah's flood, you know, people would just be like laughing at them like crazy. The same way uh, they laugh at tentacle porn and pathologize right. that. But yeah, we've taken it to such a weird level in, in the West, you know, and uh, that, that in a way like this Isekai stuff actually seems a, a, a bit more in the upswing like more um optimistic in a way you know yeah just get yourself a raccoon girl slave and then you can be a chad 
Yeah, exactly. Gates of a raccoon, girl slave. Um, b- technically, be kind of nice to her, you know, yeah. even though she's still <laughs> she's still a slave, you know. And because uh, there's a kind of thing where, at least, like, here's one thing: at least good girls kind of exist, which I think is kind of gone yes. in in the Western thing, you know, where everyone is just like like a like a monster. And uh, there's a sense that you can improve improve things, kind of, you know. Um, yeah, whereas there's there's none of that. In, in the West any, in, anymore, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird to be calling something like, um, uh, the Shield Hero, a a positive sign because it's so bad. It's it, it's, it's it's still pretty it's still pretty uh, heinous. Something that you showed me that I didn't realize was that it's actually kind of consciously cleaned up a bit from the light novel and anime yeah. version, which uh, seemed to be worse. Yeah, so yeah, I found this video that someone was complaining that it failed as an adaptation. Uh, so they're actually a, a big fan of the light novel. And they said the reason that it fails is because they basically uh, cut out a lot of the like internal monologue that reveals that now Fumi, the protagonist, is actually like an even bigger piece of shit in the, <laughs> in the light novel than he is in the anime. So, like, when... Um, uh, when he was getting Raftalia, the slave girl, he was like imagining Mina in her place and was like, he like felt really good about himself for her like being in the state that she was in and like being tortured and stuff. Um, mm. So like, but their point was that he, that he grows as a person and that's what makes it good. Like he started off as this big piece of shit who was just like, uh tortured because of the false rape accusation thing and so it makes the payoff of him becoming like like getting nice toward uh raftalia it like makes the payoff greater or like more earned um in the light novel than it does in the anime but um yeah do we want to talk about like the the slavery apologism stuff like how it doesn't matter uh, that he's uh, nice uh, to uh, her <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you about that. I was gonna ask you what you feel about that um, rationale because I mean, I think we can agree in both versions where he ends up still isn't that great. Yeah, you know. But but does it help or hurt the narrative to have him start from from worse? Hmm, I guess in your in your view, I guess it's just different ways of approaching it. Because I mean, if you're looking at it from the perspective of like is he a good person either way i think the answer is no because he's a slave owner um but is it like more interesting maybe what do you think um i'm not i'm not sure because i'm like i asked because i sincerely don't don't know like i think on one hand um him starting lower i think kind of excuses um how far he still has to go because you're like, okay, he came this far. So maybe he still has room to get even big. I mean, better, but I think having him start from a relatively benign, um, sexist to just a less relatively, I mean, to an even more relatively benign sexist. Um, I think, kind of makes it seem like 
the anime probably thinks his job is already done or that's or like 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 it seems it seems to me like having him start from so low and and here part of you hopes that maybe the light novel guy um realizes how bad it is and he's still making his way mm-hmm. toward an, an ultimate uh redemption whereas um how small the arc is for him i feel like it seems like a minor course correction and that this is going yeah. to be just just it i don't and i don't i don't know i mean but on the one hand i think it probably made it more pleasant to watch because if he if i had to watch him be as bad as the light novel for like half the run i think it would have been a lot more painful to um yeah I, I do think i do think they chose to do that to make it more watchable it makes it makes sense yeah uh-huh. yeah because um it, there's some shows where i know the person's bad on purpose and the point is to watch them get redeemed but i've still had trouble watching the shows because i'm like yeah i know what you're going for but i still don't want to spend time in this person like like wake me up when he gets to where he needs to be like i'm <laughs> i'm not enjoying it so so i can kind of see like how how that would help but i mean there's some there's some things like when i first started watching the show right i was thinking my first assumption was to think that the because i heard about how a lot of people on tumblr were going on it so uh-huh. i just assumed okay they're probably like really exaggerating going over the top because i know how how tumblr controversies usually are um so then I started watching it, and I started fake uh, the rape accusation, mm-hmm. the false rape, rape accusation. But my thought was, okay, I know how Twitter and Tumblr are because I've been so poisoned by them. My my assumption was just the existence of a false rape accusation is probably what they're mad about. Yeah. As in, they want to just act like that never happens or it doesn't exist. Like, the, like there's some social justice complaints where no matter how sensitively you cover them, the people just get mad at the idea that you even dare to discuss this topic or act like it, it existed. Because I've seen that happen where people get mad at any type of false rape, rape um, accusation character, right. you know, which, which I think is kind of silly, especially because of the racialized aspect of um, false rape. Like, right. we should we shouldn't demonize the whole concept as being inherently sexist because there, there are some historical precedents where you know that has been done and weaponized particularly in uh racial forms i think we've been starting to see that where people have had less sympathy for uh black men for example being accused of rape by by white women particularly because um of the change of rape false rape accusation discourse in general so when mm-hmm. i saw this thing i'm like okay i don't think it's fair to dismiss it just because of a false um rape accusation just because that does happen sometimes and mm-hmm. we it shouldn't be forbidden from being in stories but by the time i got to the first episode i was like okay no uh they were right this time <laughs> I, I, uh, I shouldn't have given it the benefit of the doubt yeah this is this is a very reactionary bad uh th- like this is the worst faith uh take on rape accusation false rape, rape accusation like like there is this is yeah they were they were right on this one and and I was wrong and I and I I and they even try to set it up like oh the country is a matriarchy so they'll believe any woman but it's like I I think that's almost like saying it, it's like Watchmen where they do like what if the police had to be politically correct then it would be the same but from the <laughs> other side 
that's what they did here it's like oh well if we put women in charge of everything then it would be just as bad because then there would be false rape accusations yeah yeah and and the and the the way that she doesn't really have a real motivation i think is also kind of disturbing like if they at least had it like say her um i thought maybe it was like she was trying to become the next in line for the throne but like it doesn't like none of her actions really make sense if that's what her goal is yeah, yeah because even to get a goal like that there was no real need to do that, or at least not in that way. Like, yeah, she would probably like, just go me, at her she, sister, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just take out your sister, and the shield hero thing wasn't even related to discrediting her sister, you know, because they only became allies later on. It would be one thing the shield hero and the sister were like uh, together as partners, and then she's like, "Oh, I'm going to discredit her champion, and it's going to weaken her, and then whatever." She just seemed to just have, and one thing I noticed with a lot of those red pill things that they feel like, uh, I mean, the name always changes, whether you say beta virgin or whatever the term is. Uh, I think they even have a new now. one now. I'm sure, I'm sure they do. It's always, it's always moving. Uh, but, um, or, or incels or whatever. This is the idea that, um, Chad's and, and Stacy's live to persecute them. Like they can't right. just leave them alone they have to torture the virgins or betas or they have to ridicule them because you know i've seen that on some boys like why can't they leave us alone and and they just picture like um they get off on on bullying and and mocking and mocking them um and so that's kind of a vibe that i got in that the false rape accusation you know i made it so bad that she seemed to do it just out of a glee of picking on a nice guy mm-hmm. you know because uh, that's the thing he was he was portrayed as kind of nice in the beginning and it made me think he was going to be oh like a uh one of those nice identification point characters that um kind of wins the day by being being nice i don't know if you ever seen this um this boxing manga and anime called uh hajime no ipo no, I haven't heard that. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's like really long running. It's like thirty year uh, oh, wow. manga. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's one. It's one of the longest running manga. It's really good. It's a, it's a boxing. It's a shonen boxing. Uh, it's kind of funny because it incorporates a lot of real boxing knowledge and boxing trivia and boxing history into it. You know. Okay. Um. So you actually learn a lot about like real boxing historically and real. Uh, boxing styles but because it's a it's a shonen like uh they're always one step away from like throwing a fireball like 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 the way the, the way to fight the way the fights go are, are still kind of uh very like really very over the top over, yeah really really over the top and and but but it's 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 pretty it's pretty good but i mean in that one the guy starts off as someone who's bullied and a really nice guy and he learns to get tough and whatever but he stays nice throughout and basically his niceness kind of ends up converting you know like like something that that used to happen in in uh naruto a lot where he's always kind of converting people to become nicer or yeah whatever like i love that were, part of it <laughs> they were yeah yeah they were jerks before but then with time with time they kind of realize that um 
they didn't have to be jerks and what they thought of as a weakness um didn't didn't really didn't really have to be a weakness right. and stuff like that right and um so I thought this was gonna be like that because everyone was jerky to him in the beginning and stuff and yeah he just became the, the biggest jerk of all and I think that really shows where we are in the culture and the discourse you know like uh of why people want to why people want to want to see so yeah. I feel like his niceness in the beginning wasn't there to sell the virtues of niceness but just there to kind of show why you can't be nice so there was, it was very shallow that makes sense yeah uh, yeah it was very you know it's like you ever see like those um movies like a man apart or a death wish or one of those movies where the wife only exists the wife and family only exist to die to make him a homicidal yeah. maniac uh-huh. uh later on after revenge yeah so when you see the relationship it doesn't even feel like real or fulfilling. It just seems very Hallmark Cardi and fake because it's only there so that you know they can die and he be, so he, he can be become traumatized. Who the, yeah, and he can become who the writers really want him to be. You uh-huh. know, which is uh, the psycho hard ass. That's why his niceness felt like Damn, where that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like an afterthought. His niceness is not really well established. He's the, he's he's a blank slate of a personality, and because even like his, the stuff that he does that's helpful, like when he like rescues the village from the cursed seed or the the rotting dragon corpse, like the main thing that he takes away from that is being able to tell off the other heroes, the the Chad heroes, about how bad they are at being heroes and how he had to come and clean yeah, up their mess ex- for them. Exactly, he's not doing it out of some you know nobility or want to help suffering people or i used to be treated bad and i feel bad for other people who are treated bad yeah it's all about like revenge even when that girl gets thrown out of the in that final episode of the other heroes camp you know and he takes her into his um his group he's like don't you want to get back at those people you know yeah it's gonna take this line yeah. lying down you know yeah um and uh what you were saying earlier about the um, Mina and um, Motoyasu, the spear hero, like like living to torture him or whatever, made me realize, like, I think I was talking to you about this. A lot of shonen isekai, like isekai that are aimed at boys, are power fantasies. Um, and a lot of uh, shoujo isekai, the ones that are aimed at girls, are persecution fantasies. So one of like a really common subgenre of shoujo isekai is the main character gets stuck in an otome game which is like a a dating sim uh geared towards uh girls and but she's the villainous of the otome game and so she basically has to like try and avoid her fate of you know being the unloved villainous in the story um, oh, interesting. So, so she's trying to redeem what she has to do. Yeah, but she's kind of forced into. Oh, that's that. But that's, then this is kind of both. Now. It's like a power fantasy and a persecution fantasy, because he like wants to be the cool badass, but he's also like persecuted by the people that are like born like natural cool badasses. Yeah, and that's so much of what it, the current. That's so much of what the current. Um, red pill this uh, manosphere discourse is like like i'm i want to be the persecutor but i also want pity for having been the persecuted and i want to get a pass for being the persecuted on a for, for being the persecutor 
on account of my past as being uh persecuted and something that i think if we're being honest i think there's probably some of that built into the traditional old power fantasy stories too but i think people kind of knew you weren't supposed to be that way so you have to kind of disguise it more like like superman is very much um a power fantasy and kind of built on like revenge like clark kent is kind of the nerd who, um, you know, is whatever, gets rejected by Lois Lane and gets pushed, pushed, um, Damn, around by people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just the whole secret identity thing is, but he kind of gets revenge on the bullies as Superman mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, Lois Lane is madly in love with, with, uh, Superman and Superman's the one that, puts uh, pushes her off or stiff arms her and keeps her away so Clark Kent kind of gets that fantasy but there's the veneer of nobility mm-hmm. to it where he never says oh that bitch rejected me as Clark Kent but um uh, I get to uh reject her as Superman or you know do whatever or you know these people like made fun of me but you know I get to get the last laugh by changing the Superman and and beating them up uh, it's more like he, there's this idea that you're supposed to be doing it for the good, and the revenge is just a fringe benefit. You know, the the right. revenge is just the secret identity is there to protect your loved ones, not to just troll uh, people who treat you bad and <laughs> and you know stuff like that. Whereas I feel like now, um, there's not even the the interest in pretending that that's even a, a value like now like that is that is the appeal and this yeah. i think is a perfect example of that like the good is almost secondary you know and the main appeal is the revenge and the um and the um power fantasy and the yeah it kind of um, matches like the reactionary um mindset nowadays more because like uh mm-hmm. one thing that you made me think of was like how right-wingers believe that antifies both beta like gender fluid weaklings uh with limp wrists and everything but also that they're the most threatening uh evil terrorists that are you know seconds away from destroying the country and um yeah that's like yeah, that's a great point that's a great point yeah. yeah that's like kind of the whole mindset now um fuck i forgot uh where i was going with that but you know what's funny about that too. Maybe this will maybe this will help because it's in the same vein. Um, there used to be this um, kind of kind of feeling that, like I think it was baked in there, but because there was urge to be seen as good or just or whatever, it had to be kind of teased out. You know, like, you know, like when I just described the Clark Kent Superman thing, and then you kind of realize, okay, it was always kind of in there but there was at least a desire to pretend that that it wasn't or it was like a fringe benefit or an unspoken thing and i think that's where alan's moore's Moore's watchman came in where he kind of teased out that subtext and that's what made it so like revolutionary like he's like superheroes are inherently um fascist there there's there's inherently like a a power fantasy 
there's this kind of um duplicity in it this this um revenge fantasy in it but now i don't think a watchman can even work because it's not even subtext anymore in in a lot of the main in the main text like like, like for yeah, example their favorite thing is punisher but, now where that's just text <laughs> oh yeah yeah but, but not even just punisher i think punisher is i think you're right punisher is like the, the favorite thing but the regular ones are becoming so much more like the Punisher hmm. that you don't even need the Punisher. Like, 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 look at Batman. All they do with Batman is they keep him from doing the very final thing, which is killing in cold blood. And then they tell you, well, that makes him ultimately the good guy versus the Punisher. But Batman drops people off of buildings to break their legs, yeah. like, like in Dark Knight. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he dropped the guy <laughs> off the building to break his leg, but he's supposed to be good because he didn't actually kill the guy. What if the guy landed on his head? Like, yeah. like, or, like they do all this stuff where it's like he's so brutal uh, and abusive that just by accident he would accidentally kill somebody, you know? Um, because did you ever he's see so, uh, Dark Knight uh, Returns, the two-part animated movie? Yeah, like, I never saw that just, one, but I, oh, yeah. okay. There's there's a part in that where he's fighting this like young guy who's like this gang leader, and he's just like. He gets him in a mud pit so that he has like you know an advantage over the like younger, more powerful guy, and he's just like breaking every single bone in his body, like just su- like extremely fucking him up. That's a perfect example, but but because he doesn't actually kill the guy, that makes him the good right. guy versus the Punisher. Exactly. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a narcissism of small differences, and the fact that nobody like ever like you know uh, uh, di- dies, you, you know. But it's like. A watchman wouldn't even like work for teasing out everything because everything is like is like uh, text. Uh, uh, for example, like look at Superman now, Zack Snyder's uh, Superman. Mm-hmm. Now Superman just straight up is doing fucked up things to uh, regular people who bother him as Clark Kent. Like in that in that Man of Steel movie, I think somebody at some kind of bar does something to him, and he um, just like tears up the guy's truck or something he goes into the parking lot and oh wow he does something i, I forget what it is or, or, i don't remember that movie i think there's I was, something i think i was uh going to the bathroom and hitting my vape a lot when i watched that movie <laughs> yeah there's some kind of revenge that he did uh as Damn. clark Kent on somebody i think it was in the parking lot he um he does he does something i can't remember what it was but i think i should do i think i should do with the truck it was it, it was it was a bar scene but he doesn't even pretend to be Clark Kent and take the um and take the high road or something. He just yeah. He just um you know d- does that. And then when Zack Snyder handles uh Batman in the sequel, um because Superman has been degraded so much, you know, where he's just a vengeful uh, petty dick. Now Batman has to be the Punisher. Like Batman is actually killing swaths of people and branding them and yeah and all this stuff yeah so i remember what i was yeah, gonna I, say earlier too was uh yeah relating to the reactionary thing the reactionary mindset is um i think a lot of it has like they've internalized a lot of uh the capitalist mythos from like the 70s on where being like basically being a piece of shit will incidentally be good for people because of the society that we live in so like if you're like a completely greedy person the only way that you can uh, successfully 
um, act on those impulses is uh, to serve others by like creating something that other people want. And I think that's like kind of a, there's like a similar thing happening here where his impulse to get revenge on um, the other heroes who wronged him in the beginning um, incidentally just helps everyone else um, because he has to like basically do their job for them. Mm, like like a Ayn Rand, like Ayn Rand again yeah. has this idea like the vir- the virtue of selfishness by by everyone doing the best thing for themselves, they end up improving yeah um, society with the, with their gifts. Yeah, that's a really great way of of uh, looking at it. But something that kind of um, I have to admit about this show is it's it's watchable. I I yes. can't deny it because I tried to watch Sword Art online and I couldn't make it's it past so the first bad. episode. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so hugely popular. I was surprised, you know. And I'm like, maybe this gets better, but it's too bad for me to even, even wait and find out. Whereas this the second one, season when I started, is, is pretty decent because it has cool like l- lightsaber fights, basically. But that's that's the only thing really worth watching. Yeah, I was really worried when I started watching this because I didn't know what Isekai was when you told me. So when I watched this, I was like, oh, my God, this is another stored out online. Oh, my God, this is going <laughs> to suck so bad. But then by the end of the first episode, I was like, OK, I kind of want to keep going. Like, like this is disturbing. It's it's. Yeah. You know, I don't like the value system of this, but I can't lie. It's like it's like watchable. M- my wife loves um, Philo. Uh, she's coming into the room. Oh, yeah. And she goes, talking about could talk about the fat bird. And she <laughs> thinks the fat, the fat bird is so it's so cute. So she was, yeah. she came in. And she was like, uh, oh, my God, look at that fat bird. She's so cute. And she she, she reacted to fat bird. And then the dialogue took a turn to like talking about rape. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. They were talking about, like, the false rape and and all this stuff. And then she was like, wait, isn't this for kids? Because like, she thought of fat bird. She thought it was like some kind of cute, cutesy uh, kid show. I thought, I thought that was funny. Like, <laughs> That she came in when that when that happened. I think it might have been like um, around the time of the trial scene or something. Uh, but but yeah, it was it was re- it was really. It would funny. also be pretty easy to think that because it doesn't have a lot of like fan servicey stuff. Mm. Like for a, a show That's that true. where like one of the main plot points is like sexual violence, it's like, not horny at all. Like the most You're titillating right. thing right. I can think of, and this actually makes it even more problematic when you think about it is. Uh, the most titillating thing that I can think of is when Mina is being, she has like the slave crest drawn on her and she's being like tortured to tell the truth. Yeah, that is true. There's also some stuff with Philo in a human form that I think starts to approach like um, sudden sexual, but Mm -hmm. they kind of skirt from going too far in that direction. Like, Like I think they're, I think they're afraid to like pull the, um trigger in that direction but the one thing that i think um adds to the mctow uh, interpretation because i because like, like i said i think it has bits of everything and it yeah. oscillates between between all of them um there was this scene in the beginning where mine his horniness is part of his undoing like he is kind of horny in the beginning and i thought it yeah it was going true. to be a I thought there was going to be a lot more fan service and stuff because she's using her wiles to, you know, and he kind of says something in his head. I forget exactly what it was, but he's like, um, he's basically saying, oh, I think, I think I'm going to hook up. And, and she's 
kind of like batting her eyes and she does kind of thing physical with him like she puts her head on his shoulder or her hands on his shoulder she does something mm-hmm. where i was like oh, okay it's gonna be some fan service here or something and i feel like the lack of horniness is almost intentional like horniness is how these bitches get you i felt like is yeah. the message was trying to to get and it's something that happens in MGTOW circles a lot too like they make fun of guys who get led around by the penises and you know saying uh-huh. oh th- th- that can never be me that's how these that's how these bitches get you like, like that's like the MGTOW uh, way so I thought that was kind of interesting that I think the lack of horniness um, didn't come from any high minded place but almost like deliberate like, that's part of his badassery that, that yeah I think they're unmoved. using it to like he's- show how noble he is because yeah, she, yeah, she tries to offer him a drink, and he's like, "Ah, oh, no, I don't, I don't do that," you know. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't do that, but I think he is still horny though. As as yeah. far as he thinks, he thinks that he's gonna get uh, laid for being nice, you know. But yeah, yeah, he. I think it's he and, doesn't, and I think this because this is how I was in high school. I think he's telling himself that he is not interested just because he's failing, as like an ego preservation thing. Mm, yeah could be that could be that too yeah yeah that's a good point um what was the in-story reason for why he didn't drink was was there one um i think i think he might have said something about how he doesn't like feeling drunk or people that like he doesn't like drunks or something like that i didn't get to that part i only read like a very small part of the light novel like the first two chapters which cover like okay. um, maybe a third of the first episode, so I didn't I didn't get to that. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting to find out. Something that was interesting is later on he was taking intoxicants with the berries, but 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 he had like superpower, like he can't get drunk powers, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and the and the somebody commented, "Wow, you can really hold hold your liquor." But I think it kind of turned out that something about him, his physiology, it doesn't work on him. I think it's because he's the shield is, hero. But I I do think they were trying to play it up like that's how badass he is. Like he can he can drink like crazy and not get drunk. Which yeah, if, if you are an experienced drinker, you know that actually just means you're a fucking alcoholic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was drinking he was drinking those he was eating those berries, but he didn't know that they were intoxicant. He just liked the taste. And then yes. somebody pointed out, <laughs> how can you keep on having those? They're an intoxicant. So, so a he doesn't like to drink, but you know when he does when he does uh, take it, he's um, unable he's unable to even get drunk. I didn't understand. I couldn't understand why he didn't even drink. Um, in general, like it was never really fully uh, explained because I feel like I feel like it would I feel like it would add to the context as as far as that scene and how horny he is or isn't, you know? Um, yeah. Like, like I thought maybe he thought it was making him look noble, you know? Like he's trying to get yeah. made by reverse psychology. Like, uh-huh. oh, I'm not gonna take advantage of uh, drinking to get with you when it happens, you know? Uh, this one it's like pretend you know? isn't there like a pickup artist thing where you pretend you're not interested for the like the first time and then like it makes her more interested so that the that's like, what i was yeah yeah that's what i was wondering like was it a deeply held value for him 
or was it just like um, something he doesn't do for more like superficial reasons or you know and but even after he became a badass and turned on everything he still wasn't really seen drinking so it makes me think yeah. that it must be a deeper held value like the and first he kind time of I thought kept everyone else at arm's length too like Raftali and Philo were both like trying to get closer to him but he kind of kept them at arm's length like there was that yeah, scene he, where he, Raftalia wears like the sexy swimsuit I, I totally forgot about this and um she's like oh what do you think and he like immediately gives her like this penguin costume that they have to wear to like dive in, into like an underwater ruins <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you're, you're right yeah but yeah yeah he's he's unmoved by sex I thought maybe the um uh, drinking thing wasn't a hard fast rule but some kind of um thing he was doing to be like a gentleman or you know yeah uh, uh, helping get laid by reverse psychology but even afterwards he still never drank so it made me think okay this must be a deeper value but it was never right. explained i mean, I mean yeah the, the whole thing is very kind of i think the book is probably better in that it probably feels more consistent because yeah i feel like i, f- I feel like this show because it's trying to shave down his rough edges and make him nice you get this weird kind of split personality where he's uh, still too jerky to be a nice guy, but he's still too nice to be a total jerk. And right, and the, the inconsistency makes no sense. Whereas I feel like the book probably just has him more of a straight up jerk in a consistent way. I'm guessing. I heard the light novel is not very well written, like just as in terms of craft. So oh, interesting. Okay, I mean, that's what a lot of people have, have said online that that they were really shocked at how badly written. Yeah, craft wise, I don't read fiction enough to like be able to judge that. So. I didn't notice that from the first two chapters. It was like, for me, like well-written because I mostly read nonfiction means it's easy to follow and understand. And there's not like multiple interpretations, you know? Um, But some of those qualities are like kind of good in fiction, I guess. Um, So I didn't notice if like how well-written or not it was. Something, something that I think is interesting with this thing too is, um, I always forgot to pronounce the shield, the, the the spear hero's name, but I mean all the other three heroes in general are very undercharacterized. The closest one to being, I mean the two who are not, the two who are not um, the shield or the spear hero are basically just the same person. They're just like one character, and yeah. they're the they're, they're the most underdeveloped. You know, they're like an afterthought because you just need need a third and a fourth. That actually is something I noticed in the book was they characterize those two a little bit better because the sword hero was like, um, he's like 16 and he was like uh, the type of guy that like pretends to be cool and older. Like they made that Mm. really clear that that was like his character. And then the, um, the bow hero was like more of like a bookish type. Yeah, whereas I felt like no real difference with them in the in the other yeah, in the other I think thing. You're right. Um but the spear hero, he's he's very one dimensional, but he's kind of a Chad, but not really, because in a way, I feel like a real Chad wouldn't I mean, I don't know what the current incel lore is, so maybe it's evolved to a place where I don't know. But uh-huh. I feel like the idea is that um the ch- the Stacy is to the Chad what the Virgin or the Beta is to the Stacy. Like like um 
the same way that um so like the he Stacey barely takes notice of her is that kind of what you mean he, re- he really takes notice of her or he leads her around by the nose or like you know um one of the big things that they used to like to use on those boards was um, pump pump and dump that you know oh, okay. oh he just uh-huh. you know uh he doesn't buy her candies on uh on valentine's day or whatever he barely acknowledges her but he'll call her over to have sex and you know oh yeah send, like, one that, text. isn't that like they they think they'll treat the stacy better than the chad will yeah okay. yeah ex- yeah exactly so he just texts like you know um three letters like like wyd what are you doing you know uh-huh. she just drops everything comes over and then he has sex with her and then uh never calls back right. or whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so so i mean that's that's the way i remember the lord being so i feel like spear hero is kind of not really a chad because he's kind of led around the nose by uh mine and there's that's no true. sense that there's no sense that there's anything that escalates the sexual between them, really. Uh-huh. Um, like, Plus, I he's, really get he's got the of, weird yeah. lolicon thing with um, Philo. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was kind of weirdly accepted. That that what was going on there, at least on the surface, like it seemed like he was kind of uh, being a creepy pedophile. And nobody was really worried about it. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is. Um, and this is based on stuff that I read, so it could be wrong. But it it seems like it is more acceptable in Japan to be interested in younger girls. Um, I, I, did something, I did something else too with the voice talent and with the drawing that I, I kind of forget. He is actually kind of like sixteen or something, right? He's not. He's not like an no, adult. He's, he's a college student. Oh, okay, forget it. So <laughs> I was trying to find. I was trying to find some kind of uh, way to take the edge off of it. Okay, he's a college student. So yeah, there's no. Yeah, and it was also though like, I guess it wasn't totally clear that it was like a sexual interest because it was like, yeah, he never explicitly made it clear, but I think the ambiguity made it even worse. Yes, <laughs> like that, yeah, because no one questioned it, right? He, yeah, yeah, like like he just shows up one day, he goes, "Where's that little girl?" You know, <laughs> and he, and he's like, "Okay, where did that come from?" You know, and. Uh, Whenever she shows up, he just turns into like a, like a goofy idiot. I'm like, okay, what's supposed to be happening here? Like, I felt like it would have been actually made more sense. At least this is this is how, how I would have been if it was me and I was him and I had to deal with Philo. I would not care about the little girl, but the big fat bird would totally... I'd be a sucker for the big fat bird. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> where is that big fat bird? I want to hug that big fat bird. <laughs> she looks so like, fluffy. Like, I, I, <laughs> Yeah, she looks so fluffy. I love that character design. That is yeah. the best character design <laughs> in in like like somehow the bird is really cute and and fluffy, but is totally believable as an offensive force at the same time. Yeah, like, like that's I also a really like that cool... melty like, like melted into her feathers and slept there. Mm. You know, <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, yeah, I really I really like that, and I would have totally understood better if. He thought the little girl was like a pesky little like sister type, and yes. you know didn't have any, any interest in a little girl, but you know was a sucker for the bird. You know, <laughs> uh, I would have been much more comfortable with that. But it was just weird that that whole lollycon uh, thing. But like you said, I guess it's a cultural thing. It's very, it's very uh, different. But uh, let me ask, let me ask: Did is there a way to break 
Raftalia's slave slave seal, or did they do that? I felt like there was something. I didn't yeah, quite they, get they it. They broke but- it, and then um, she like wanted to get it put back on, and now Fumi was like, "You know, you don't have to do this." And she was like, "No, I want to." That's, That's why it was really like creepy. extra fucked up. That's really messed up. That's yeah. really, and that was a big thing when like American slavery fiction, like that came from the South. This idea that um, a lot of black people actually wanted to be slaves, and that the abolitionists were forcing freedom on them. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, one of the reasons I thought of um, getting you on for this episode was I was listening to one of your live streams, and you were talking about. Um, Santa Fe Trail. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought of Santa Fe Trail when I was watching this. I totally thought about that. Yeah, Santa Fe Trail had that scene where the slaves were thankful to be put back in slavery. Yes. <laughs> this is amazing. And one of them says, like, hey. I don't want freedom. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if this if this is that here freedom, I don't want no parts of it. You know, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's like really, really bizarre. And, and, the, and the white characters are sitting there smiling, and they're all, like, laughing together how crazy the idea was. <laughs> I mean, it's, that movie, I think, is even... The crazier part of that movie is th- that is an old trope that existed during slave times where uh-huh. they had... They, had the, they called it uh, happy darky uh, fiction where, you know, the slaves were happy-go-lucky and whatever, and it was kind of... Uh, it was kind of propaganda to keep slavery going, but Santa Fe Trail, you know, took place in, you know, free times. Like, like, like slavery had been over for, like, uh, quite a while. Oh, so. Wow. So 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 yeah, I mean that's that's what's really interesting about keeping that uh, going. It kind of shows how even in I think Santa Fe Trail is in like the forties, so like you know slavery's been over like a at that point like what like eighty eighty years or whatever. That even then there was still this idea of um, maybe they'd be better off being slaves or, or this idea that it was still kind of like, like a new thing, like you know. Yeah. Uh, um. So I, I found a really interesting. Um, I found this interview with the author and there was a really interesting uh, response they had uh, that's related to this. Um, So they were asking about the slavery aspect of the show. And uh, the author said, "Um, I like to think of Naofumi like a mirror. He responds to kindness with kindness and to evil with evil. Like a shard from a broken mirror, he has some pointy edges, but in the end, he's a sympathetic character who cares for others, which that's kind of funny. But uh, as for purchasing a slave, he was forced to do it because of his situation. He needed help from others in a time and place where no one would help him. In the modern world, where people are moved and controlled by money, company employees have a lot in common with slaves. Mm. There's a little bit more, but I wanted to stop there because it's like, First of all, it's one of those situations where, like, okay, sure, but you you wrote the book this way, like you you contrived yeah, exactly. the entire situation. <laughs> um, but I also think it's really interesting that they're like thoughtful enough to see like any parallel between employment and slavery. I did, would never yeah. think that they would think that. Well, well, you know, that's interesting about that. Like the problem I have with stuff like that, and why I think they can still be bad is. Mm-hmm. I think people like that, and this kind of happens a lot in like leftist circles too. I've noticed where people, but other circles as well, where people can see the difference. They can see how uh, wage working for wages and stuff is kind of like slavery, and they talk about um, wage slavery and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think the problem where people kind of get it too far is that. 
there are still even hierarchies of uh, slavery. Like a Roman slave is different than a chattel slave where, you know, um, because at least a slave can choose their masters, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I mean, does that make it like great or whatever? Like, like, no, like slavery is um, still bad. But I think that's kind of the problem with reactionaries is that they feel like once they have anything bad happen to them, that automatically puts them on equal footing with um, anyone that something bad has happened to. Of any, you know, like I'm not a biggest victim. Like if 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 I as a man, um, for example, there's this book that I think has some good points and gets like very much of a bad rap, but I think Parvis deserve it because. The bad points are so bad that it's hard to recommend anyone to read the book. But uh, this guy mm-hmm. Warren Farrell, he's like Warren Farrell is like this god to like uh, the men's rights and those types. But he makes a lot of cases about it's not always a picnic to be a man. There's like um, oppressive aspects of being a man. Like um, you're expected to die in wars. You're considered mm-hmm. like disposable, like like, like your life. Uh, your life, especially if you're not rich, uh, you're considered way more disposable than, than women and uh, children and stuff like that. But then he goes from that to saying in the book, like, it seems like, if anything, uh, men are the new N-words of the world. And it's like, oh, okay, God. see, like, you didn't have to go that far. And Yeah. And the reason why I'm, I'm saying I'm bringing this up is because I'm, I'm saying I'm not surprised that that guy could see that wage stuff is like, Slavery, because I, I'm I'm surprised at the level to which, when it comes to articulating uh, their own oppressions, a lot of these reactionary types are surprisingly good mm-hmm. at realizing how messed up things are. Like for example, there's a really good reactionary uh, strain of um, anti-consumerist um, critique happening now, where you know they're talking about the soy consumers and they're making fun of like. These people who just buy like um, Funko Pops and consume um, comic books and superhero mm-hmm. movies all day, and and you know like the movie bobs of the world and oh, how yeah. empty that cap- capitalism is. And I'm like, okay, actually, these guys have better anti-capitalist critique than the current wave of SJWs who totally seem to buy into consumerism and capitalism. And if anything. Mm-hmm are dying to get a seat at the table. Like, like they this idea, oh, we can just reform capitalism to make it more woke and, you know, just have um, more Funko Pops of color and more, um, you know, black directors on Marvel movies and have more token characters. Like, so, like, I was, like, pretty impressed that... I can give you a perfect example of, of that um, that is related to this. I was reading a, a Medium article that was really critical of this show and... They were saying the show is bad because it does a bunch of slavery apologia, which is true. Um, but then uh, it, in the article, they start talking about this other show um, called Noragami. And they're saying, like, this is how you can do uh, slavery, like, in a good way. And so they say that. So I'll read the whole paragraph here. It says, uh, Noragami, in its clever writing, actually manages to use a system of forced labor to reinforce the humanity between people. Every time a regalia is tempted by evil or otherwise discontent with their situation, the god feels the effects. Enough of this, and the god grows ill and risks a slow, painful death. 
This gives the regalia autonomy even in a state of servitude. They can quit when they feel like and look for better opportunities for themselves, are ultimately unable oh, to be God. compelled to do things they don't want to do, and can overthrow their gods if necessary. And in parentheses, they put, there was a very good arc based around that last one in the second season. So, so, so basically, they're making... Um uh, they're defending ca- they're defending capitalism and the yes. free market basically and labor. Yeah, see <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. And I and think this was a Tumblr like, type of person that was writing this article. Yeah, and that's a perfect example of, of of what I mean. Like they can tell why uh, chattel slavery and all that is bad, but they're totally fine with um, this other kind of system that is just uh, because because they can see they can probably imagine a way that they can kind of uh, benefit off of it. Uh, yeah. so, so so to speak, yeah, and and that's um, and, and that's the funny thing with this with this uh stuff I'm talking about with this anti-consumer streak and in the reactionary stuff. But then the problem that they'll have with it is that they kind of use that to make it into um the worst conclusions. Like uh, right. That's why uh that, that's why anti-racism is a joke, and that's why uh you know white men are the most oppressed and 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 gay rights is 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 bullshit and trans so the, people are all the thing like the guy crazy. the author said right after he talked about um employment and slavery having stuff in common was uh it is preferable to have morals but we've made a world where the strictly ethical can no longer survive there are a lot of people out there that simply don't respond to ethics in the face of people like that what option is left besides emotionally insisting on your place and your views my intention is to show that in the face of enemies like that, we often have no choice but to launch a counterattack. Yes, yeah, so, so so basically, he takes the germ of a good uh, rationale and then uses it to uh, go to the weirdest, most reactionary, uh, extremist stance. Yeah, and and that's that, that's surprising to me at all because that's what happens a lot in that uh, soy cons- uh, soy consumer or no, it's called consumed product. There was a Reddit dedicated to that, and. I would like to go there to like uh, read some of the memes because some of the anti um, SJW consumerist memes were pretty funny. But then the replies would always take like uh, a marginally insightful meme and take it to the most reactionary um, places, you know. Whereas like instead of the idea being, hey, maybe we should just get rid of like capitalism all all together and and move towards socialism they still hated socialism more and just uh (laughs) somehow made it up specifically about betas and soy boys and black people and women uh ruining capitalism kind of it was like they're ruining it with uh you know using it for like uh bad ends and and to and to oppress to oppress white men and it was really really weird um do you have anything else uh, that you wanted to talk about on this, I, th- I think I've covered everything. Yeah, except I think for one so thing, too. I don't. I forgot to write notes on, but um, I don't remember oh, it well enough to well, talk about it. Um, well, what was that? Do you, do you remember it at all? I, I, I felt like it's something I forgot too, but I'm not. There was I, I like, like to do with glass. It was. Um, oh, it wasn't that. It was um, one of the episodes, like the bow or the sword hero, like helped a village. Um, like overthrow the local lord and there was some speech that now fumi gave where he was basically saying like um like feudalism is actually good and you didn't think of that like 
there's a reason that the Lord has to, has to like levy these oppressive taxes on people. But you just assume that he didn't have a reason uh, because you like believe the first person who told you that it was bad or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. You talk, you talk, you're talking about when when they were giving uh, ways that the other heroes messed up. Yeah, it was that, and I think I think he also talked about it like in more depth, like in the actual episode where he like helps that village, you know, start paying taxes again. Basically, I think is what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that you know what I hate about the show is that the more I think about it and the more we talk about it, the more. Um, messed up i realize it is but at the same yeah. time I, f- I feel like i will totally watch a second season of it <laughs> that's, yes that's the part i hate i think i think i'm probably gonna watch the second season like like uh i don't know what it is about that show that is is hooking me like it's not the most incredibly written show like it's not badly written but it's not incredibly well written like it's not the best like, like there's nothing in the there's show cool that world can say building i guess that's that's true it, it's, it's cool it's cool world building something about the show there's a hook to the show and i cannot figure out what it is because there's nothing in that show that's particularly so excellent that i can't get it from somewhere else right you know yeah like for example this cool world building but it's not like game of thrones level uh where it's like wow this is some of the most intricate world building i've ever seen like like yeah but something about that show um and I also me, mentioned and I this to you, like, I couldn't tell if um, there was, like, actual character growth in Naofumi or if they were, like, creating the illusion of character growth by adding the RPG elements, like, because he's leveling up, you're like, oh, he's becoming, like, better. Yeah, yeah. You know what that's, I mean? That's the thing as, as well. Uh, uh, something else I, I felt was unearned, you know, talking about unearned things. Uh, in addition to, like, the character growth... His skill level growth, I thought, was very weird. Like, I still can't tell how good he is or why he's that good. Like, like I felt like very fast, like off screen, they just had him become good. But, but that even- was one of the things the light novel fans were complaining about. Was like they didn't show as much of the grinding stuff in the the uh, that was in the light novel in the anime. Yeah, it, even before he started grinding, when when um he is accused of rape or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gets kicked, kicked out and exiled. And he has a couple of trinkets or whatever, but we have no idea that he's any type of good fighter in the real world. We haven't seen him really do any real grinding yet. He just bought a couple of things, uh, you know, from the from the salesman. But when that group of guys kind of turns around, tries to rob him, he's very confident and disarms them very uh, easily. And, yeah. and so he was already kind of... Um, capable and able to defend himself even if it was just randos with a knife that's still a four-on-one fight and i was just kind of taken aback i'm like in the first episode he's already uh gone from like this um otaku person to um uh, this guy who who um can beat people in a three or four-on-one fight even the people are nobodies and then after yeah. that, it just kept getting it just kept getting better and, and better. Like like see, he's defeating monsters and and all this stuff. Oh, here's one last thing. I remember this is the thing that I want to talk about, but I forgot. Uh, okay. I just remembered it. What do you think is the significance between the fact that he got there through a book and the rest of them got there through video games? Because there seems to be some kind of scorning of people are into video games we kept telling people this isn't a game or this is real or he's kind of scorning 
So then I, I actually it, know this. I actually know this one. Um, okay. It was actually in the second chapter of the light novel. So <laughs> by reading two chapters, I managed to <laughs> find the answer. Okay. It's uh, the other three heroes all got there by being reincarnated. So they all died in their world. So he was the only one who came to that world through a book, not by like not by dying. So that was one of the things that like kind of got them all to hate him was he wasn't killed in his world. And um, that was also one of the things that they used to characterize the sword heroes, like a guy who t- is trying to pretend to be cool because he, yeah. the way he was killed was there was some like serial killer and the serial killer was attacking his best friend and he like defended his best friend and managed to get the serial killer like arrested, but he died as a result. Oh, oh, so, so he feels cool because of that, because of what yeah. he did in his... In, uh, yeah, like, but his, Naofumi basically didn't believe him that he defended him. He he thought he was just, like, he was the first person who got attacked, but he, like, changed the story to, like, see more badass. Oh, oh, and they never determined uh, who's telling the truth, right? Was that something right. that just kind of left ambiguous? Okay, uh, yeah... That that book sounds weird. Now it seems to put detail in some of the weirdest uh, aspects. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, why would you uh, spell that part out? That's that's interesting. But, um, but they also, oh, so th- those guys have n- nothing to go home to, basically. Right. Another oh, so, another so weird detail. The- I wrote this down. Another weird detail they added about the sword hero was uh, when they first introduced him. Like when they were all in the room, the throne room together. Um, it says uh, the sword hero. Ran Amaki. He was an attractive young guy. His face was handsome, and he was relatively short, maybe 160 centimeters. If he cross-dressed, you'd mistake him for a girl in an instant. His <laughs> face was so composed. That's so. That's so weird. But but was I wrong about the video game thing? Because I thought there was something about the other guys coming through. Yeah, video they game. um they had all played a game that was exactly like the world they came to, and now Fumi hadn't. Oh oh okay okay yeah, so. Okay, because yeah, he kept kind of looking down on them that they thought of this as a video game, and mm-hmm. I was wondering like, is the author one of those kind of snobs who uh, thinks like books are better than video games, and he worked it into the text of the the novel? But at the same time, there's so many video game tropes in this thing that you can't tell me that the person uh, who created this um, world. Is not a big video game person. Like, like yeah, like, no, that's the supposed found. to be a huge gamer. Like, the whole first chapter is him talking about how he's an otaku who just plays dating games and online games all day. Um, oh, so, oh, oh, yeah. oh so, 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 not for me is a gamer. He just didn't yes. um, come into it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, in that so case, like, that must even stranger to me. So, then why even bother with the distinction at all between gamers and, and readers if he's, oh, I, I don't know. I think it was just to add to his like troubles with not. Um, not knowing how the world works, like being screwed more, like having a worse lot in oh, life, kind of thing. Oh, I oh I understand because yeah. his games his games are dating games, whereas the rest yeah. of them, their games are actually. Oh, so so you know what would be an interesting parallel with with that too is I wonder if it's the whole the whole uh, neat thing. Like these people went to school for something um, good. Uh-huh. Or, or, or like a real degree or something, according to the to the real world. Uh, yeah, I, I think we might have. St- I think we, I think we might have stumbled on something here, because because you know how like a lot of times people say, oh, like um, I didn't go to, to 
to um, school for the right thing or didn't go to the right school. So, um, uh-huh. one of the types of chads that that they hate are the ones who um, have like the pedigrees and whatever, like like the person who um, is is rich or has like a, like, a, like a great job and they can get married or get laid because of that. Whereas you know I don't have a good degree i'm not i'm not employable I, I know in japan they call it like like the neat like not in i forget what does it stand for again not in employment education or training yeah yeah so they kind of feel like second tier or second class um citizens i wonder if that was kind of a parallel to to that as in um, i think so yeah because they say he's he, they he, say he's a neat basically although he it says he's a sophomore in college but he like basically doesn't try. He yeah, just plays games yeah. all day. So 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 it's like they they probably have like um good good useful degrees so to speak yeah. according to like the world whereas he is like almost like a, a humanities major or something that you know. Yeah. Uh, uh I think it might be a parallel to that. So he kind of finds a way through hard work to make up for so 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 they're doing better in the world at first because they have all these um hacks that the training gave them through through video games uh right. you know like n- knowing how to level up Cause I, I started seeing near the end where when he kind of mix up with them and they tell him an easy way he could have been leveling up yes. all this time <laughs> and, he, and he didn't know but if he just like was playing the games that they played he would have probably uh known yeah 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 so i, I think it's another interesting yeah i, mean, I this also, thing, I also um, thought like yeah. um one of the differences between like him and like this story and the like incel migtow thing is he seems more upset that he's excluded from like being one of the like cool heroes than from being excluded from sex or anything else like that. Did you get that too? Yeah, yeah. I, um, especially because he could have sex based on the way right uh, what's around him. There's nothing stopping him from having sex, especially because um, especially because like he has basically um a slave right and right. i i don't feel like he's too moral to not have sex with a slave because uh-huh. i mean he has no problem with exploiting a slave in every other way you know right. so i feel like he wouldn't say oh wait a minute um this is too much of a violation of your consent because you don't have the free will i mean he feels like she, she has a free will to uh put her life on the line for him and stuff like he's strangely disinterested in sex in 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 general that mm-hmm. i think is uh really worth um inter- interrogating does he kiss um raftalia in a romantic way in that last scene or is it just a hug i couldn't tell what uh what i don't was. remember well enough um i rewatched it like last week so in my memory uh, of that is not good enough to remember last thing i'll Last thing I'll ask. This is a question, not not uh, insight. I'm just curious. Does he have any desire, or is he ever going to free her? Like, like she's still under that slave seal, right? Uh huh. Why can't she just serve him without the seal? I don't understand. Like, like, like why she needs to physically have the seal? Like, she explained it as like a symbol of her devotion, sort of thing. That's really disturbing. That- yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah, they need a better reason than that. That makes no yes. sense to me that she can't just serve him without the seal. Especially since he just put somebody in his party who doesn't have a seal. So he apparently thinks 
He's apparently at the stage now where he thinks people don't need seals to be trustworthy. I saw someone mention like the the Tumblr type person who was uh, criticizing the show. I th- I think they mentioned that Philo got a slave seal, but I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't remember that at all. She kind of acts like she has one, but I don't ever see it being explicit. Yeah, because I even wrote like I even wrote something in the slavery section of the notes where I was like. You know, there's two types of slaves. There is like the chattel slave, which is uh, Raftalia, and then there's like Philo, who's more like a draft animal. But then I read that and I was like, oh, I guess maybe I'm wrong and they're both chattel slaves. I don't know. Well, you know, I didn't think about that, but that I didn't think about that, but that's um, a good point that that she might because she turns into an animal, she might be being treated more like an actual animal like um yeah not a chattel slave but a chattel um because they call animals chattel too right that's the reason why they call chattel slaves chattel chattel slaves because they're basically the same as animals that that you have i i didn't Uh even think about that 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 she might not even need a slave mark because she's a chattel slave despite being uh an animal yeah yeah, because both of them one's called a demi-human and the other mm-hmm. one is half animal in a way. So there's different there's different ways in which both of them aren't fully fully human. Yeah. And that in a way kind of justifies their slavery. Oh, that's And Philo that's also nice. like says she likes pulling the cart, like she likes doing the, the slave work. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, that's that's really uh <laughs> Yeah, the more you analyze the show, the worse you feel about liking it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still gonna watch it. That's that's the worst part. And and it's part of me hoping that season. (laughs) Yeah, this part of me is hoping it redeems itself somehow. Like you know, but I got a feeling based on um, what I've learned of the author, unless something changes in him in real life, especially you know that changes him. But I, I don't feel like he's he's on that path to redeeming this character. No, I don't think so. But yeah, it's still like I I, maybe it, maybe it's the story. The story isn't that unique, but I am like interested to see what happens with Glass's world. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's the first and only I think really morally ambiguous or interestingly nuanced moral dilemma um, in the show, and I think ending it on that is what um, one of the best things the show did, and definitely hooked me. The idea that. They're not straight up bad guys. They're just somebody yeah. in a similar situation, but from from the other end. And he has to end up making a choice. Is he okay with the other world dying? I have no confidence based on how they handle other morally nuanced, or even topics that shouldn't be nuanced morally, you know, on this show that they're gonna handle that one particularly well. But <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed that they even brought up the the dilemma. I'm, I'm keeping yeah. my expectations. I'm keeping my expectations low for how they end up resolving it, but it is. They set it up well to even... too, though, because remember the Philolial Queen was like, um, you have to choose between like the world and its people or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was very that was very well done as as well. Yeah, yeah, that the way they set it up and all that stuff. I I thought it was very good and it was a great way to um end it. And I'm very very curious. Uh, if they can actually pull it, um, pull it off and stick the landing, I got a feeling that they'll find some way to let him have his cake and eat it too. That will right. 
allow him <laughs> allow allow him to not actually uh grow or, yeah. or make any real sacrifices yeah and and, and keep his slaves to to <laughs> right uh yeah. all right well i think i think that'll do it for this episode um yeah T, thanks a lot for coming on man yeah yeah thanks 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 for having me man. it was it was it was a great time it was it was a great time and uh you you kind of reawakened the anime bug in me too because now okay yeah um, like, like i said like, I'm, I'm, next time i'll pick something that i think you'll actually like like straight up <laughs> Oh, cool, cool, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start Doctor Stone, uh, next. So, oh, so good. Hopefully, yeah. ho- hopefully that'd be a good powder cleanser as, as yes, well. Yes, it, it will. Although okay, I, great. I also spend a lot of time being mad at it, but um, for different reasons. Yeah, I'm sure I'll see why as I watch it. I'll yeah. probably talk to you about it. It's another Killmonger situation, basically. <laughs> oh, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. cool. So I'll definitely, I'll definitely check it out and I'll talk to you about it. But uh, thanks for having me and have a good one. Yeah. Oh, uh, do you have anything you want to plug real quick? Oh yeah, just uh, go to Champagne Sharks the podcast. You could just uh, search it online anywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts, and also check out our check out our YouTube channel. Um, just search Champagne Sharks on YouTube, and you'll find it. But it's youtube.com slash Champagne Sharks, and we also started making like like merchandise. Um, so keep your eyes open for for that um we got mugs and stuff like that so i thought i thought it's pretty cool i I like how they turned out yeah awesome thanks a lot man okay cool all right man have a good one you too talk to you later all right later